Welcome to your innerverse. Welcome, wandering wanderer. My name is Chance, and this is Innerverse, Season 3, Episode 10. In this episode, I catch up with Christopher Gray, a dude who DJs by the name of Mr. Christopher. He's a really good friend of mine who I hold in extremely high esteem. In fact, I respect this young man to the greatest possible degree because he's pretty much the epitome of what I hope to achieve for myself and what I hope to see others achieve, which is to rise to a level of proficiency with your creative abilities and make it your full-time gig. And that's what he's done as a DJ. It's really impressive and he works harder than really anybody I know. And I mean like exhaustively hard and you'll hear some of that in the episode. And although I don't make the kind of dank, dark, electronic ditties like Chris does, I totally understand the exhaustive effort that it requires to put every last second of your time into manifesting your dreams. In my case, it's this podcast. Sometimes, though, for whatever reason or reasons, it's actually pretty damn difficult to get an episode out to you guys in a timely fashion, which is why this one's a little late this week. If you even noticed, maybe you didn't, and I stress about it for no reason. But well, why, why is it that one week everything is too much to handle and another week with the same exact workload, I fail to get it all done? Um, probably has to do with not meditating enough. Who knows, though? I think also the problem lies in getting distracted and jumping between tasks way too quickly. Not very good at keeping my commitments to myself and not wasting time, and so I like promise that I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, and then really only I do X. So... You know, that's pretty crazy. Uh, We're here in July 2017 for only 10 more days, and I don't have that much to show for it compared to what my ambitions were. Hopefully, you have a nice pile of epiphanies or a newly found secret underground treasure cave that you discovered this month, but I haven't found mine yet. I mean, compared to those Chinese people who just performed long-distance quantum teleportation to a satellite, my record is pretty weak this month. Teleportation actually is something that Chris and I talked about kind of a lot in this episode and lots of other like interesting topics of uh, esoteric nature or maybe like um, headier fun type of conversation topics. Also the massive mother load of digital audio deliciousness that Chris has evoked from the ethernet of collective human consciousness is something we talk about quite a bit. And Collective consciousness and the influence that we human beings may be exerting on one another non-physically through vibrations. It's an extremely fun conversation. We pretty much go all over the map in the places that I like to visit. Um, So it'll definitely tickle your metaphysical and motivational fancies. And speaking of fancy, I want to shout out to my great friends, Aaron and Mary Rose, for doing an Instagram giveaway last week to promote Interverse. I'm not sure who won, but they gave away a super fancy, beautiful moonstone wrapped pendant that they created themselves. I think they wrapped it themselves. They didn't create moonstones, obviously. Earth did. Anyway, um, Aaron and Mary Rose, they are music festival hopping, crystal vending hippies, and they run a booth called Kind Brilliance. You can find them on the web at www.kindbrilliance.com. If you have any interest whatsoever in amazingly unique Super special, shiny crystals and glittery mineral specimens that are truly blessed by the energy of their previous owners. You must go visit them online. Go check out their Instagram or their website and see the truly wondrous wonders that they channel through the world. 
And I have personally received several amazing crystals from them, from uh, Brazilian quartz to fire agate, labradite, and plenty more that I don't even remember how to say the names of or remember the names of because they're too fancy. So if you have any personal experience with crystals and various energies that they might invoke, then you also might know that crystals can really take on their owner's environment or their environmental energy. And with Aaron and Mary Rose, you really can't go wrong. They've got nothing but beautiful, loving vibes. Kind Brilliance is definitely a great name for them because they're incredibly kind and brilliantly intelligent. I swear I've seen them give away more stones than I've seen them sell. Seriously, their coolness is only matched by the epicness of their treasures, their gems and their crystals. And nobody's making me say this. They're not paying me for an ad or anything. It's not even something we discussed doing in return for the contest. I just wanted to let you guys know that they are really cool and you'll be supporting really good people and getting super high powered crystal energy into your home. If you go check out their website at www.kindbrilliance.com. Even if you don't have experience with crystals, you should go explore this. Just maybe pick out something that speaks to you. And yeah, you'll be supporting a couple of wonderful human beings. Speaking of support, I uh, humbly request your monetary assistance via our Patreon portal. Putting funds in the pledge box of our electronic coven will pry your pineal gland wide open and you will instantly become the reincarnation of Buddha and Jesus at the same time. Love lasers will shoot out of your nipples whenever you want and nothing can ever hurt you again. Technically, this is a potential possibility for what will happen when you sign up at www.patreon.com forward slash interverse and pledge money to the podcast. Probability wise, it's yeah, it's pretty low. Yeah, but I did want to throw it out there as a possibility that technically, because this is an infinite universe, that you might become double enlightened upon pledging support to interverse. And just in case that doesn't happen, we've got some great rewards lined up for you upon signing up. Well, they're pretty good. It'll be getting better, though, uh, as I devise more ways to reward your faithful patronage with different kinds of merchandise like shirts and, and prints and stuff like that. I swear that'll be coming pretty soon. And um, one such reward you already would have access to, actually, is older episodes of the show that I've taken offline from other places, including the very first episode of this show, which was actually with Chris Gray, who I'm going to speak to in this episode. If you like this episode with Chris, you can find a few older episodes we did, actually, if you pledge on Patreon, but they're only for subscribers. So uh, if you're already a subscriber, you should go back to the site and poke around and see if there's any Patreon exclusive content that you like, because getting some feedback from you will help me make it better for you. And also, I guarantee you'll receive my eternal gratitude if you pledge. And I promise I will support your podcast in a future life with um, exactly the same amount of dollars that you pledge to mine. I will remember between lives how many dollars that I got from you. I'll recognize you through the Internet and through the airwaves. And that, that offer only applies to if you make a podcast. I will not support anything else. I'm just kidding. I'll support anything you're up to. If you pledge to uh, Patreon, to Interverse on Patreon, I will go check out your pages and stuff. If you, um, you know, if you share your social media, share your art with me, I would love to see what you're up to. Or just share. You don't have to do that through Patreon, I guess. You could do that through any social media. Um, let me see what you're creating. I think that ultimately, as this audience grows, it'd be great if there were people that found each other's artwork by 
you know, going and posting on the uh, groups and the episode pages and things like that for the show. And who knows, you might find the next person you're going to collaborate with. So anyway, um, if you have any ideas for things you'd like to see as rewards, please drop me a line. If you have any suggestions for upcoming guests, I'd really love to hear that. I recently got an email from a listener who suggested somebody to put on the show and it really made my day and it made my life easier because it was a good suggestion. So that's going to save me time. And uh, thank you, Emily. You, you can uh, send questions, comments, concern for my sanity and well-being or any other correspondence to interverse.podcast at gmail.com. And everything I've described from Patreon to Kind Brilliance and especially Christopher's music, all of that's going to be linked in the description and the episode notes wherever you're happening to access this podcast from. So... Um, speaking of where you're accessing this podcast, you know, you can look it up on iTunes and in their podcast app, right? If you look up Interverse and subscribe there and leave a five-star review while you're there, it will help like-minded lovelies like yourself to find our strange little hub of alternative conversations. Other places you can subscribe are SoundCloud and YouTube. In fact, there's a video version of my conversation with Chris up on YouTube for your tube using pleasure. So that's that. I've said all the things. I've powered through the Thursday 10 o'clock p.m. fatigue like a champion. I love you all. Thank you for listening. If you think someone you know would like this episode, please share it. And I'm going to play us into the episode with the selection from Mr. Christopher's new EP, The Brooklyn Trilogy Part 1. This song is called Deliver Me, the first track off of his new record. All right, let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, my great buddy, Christopher Gray, also known as Mr. Christopher. What's up, dude? Hello, 
<laughs> All the way from Utah? Yeah, Is for that... now. <laughs> Where else have you been lately? Oh, man, all over. I was uh, just in New York for three months writing a couple of records, literally putting in 12, 15 hours a day, lots of coffee, no sleep. <laughs> but, wow. Was that, uh, were, did you have access to some facilities that you don't normally have access to in that capacity? Um, yeah, absolutely. I was actually with, I don't know if you know John Burke, Ghost Effects. I was staying at his studio and there's all sorts of synthesizers and everything I need to get the job done. <laughs> cool. So a lot of learning as you go, maybe in that, in that experience. Oh yeah, definitely at a very, very advanced rate. Just <laughs> constant learning. <laughs> so like, what was your daily routine like other than the 12 to 15 hours in front of a computer? Oh, I mean, that's, I mean, that, that takes up most of the day, Chance. <laughs> um, all right, so my daily routine, I would wake up, and this, my schedule is kind of weird. I would wake up about noon, maybe one. Um, I would get up, get some coffee, <laughs> and then um, just roll over to the computer and start working as soon as I can, and then maybe take like a lunch break, maybe take a dinner break eventually, just really short breaks. Um, started going for walks. That really helped the brain <laughs> actually getting out of the house. Yeah, and, I bet. Yeah. And then after that, just honestly, constantly working until about six, 7am, maybe 8am depending on time. And then, yeah, just started all over, knocked out three EPs. <laughs> wow. So you have like a whole release schedule planned out and it can be, if you have all that ahead of time, then you can actually put more time into the delivery content delivery systems. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And like the main thing that I was striving for was quality over quantity. So overall I was there, I finished like 40 something tracks, maybe more. And um, we picked out 12 of the best ones and we lined them up for the rest of this year. So 2017 is completely knocked out and yeah, just dropped an EP last Friday. And then we'll have two more dropping in September and November. Wow, those are pretty close back to back. And that's like part two and three of this same uh, sort of three-part journey. Yeah, because what I was going to do is I was going to make just an album out of it because we had 12 quality songs. But the thing is, I realized, well, I was like, well, I was living in Brooklyn for three months. So I decided why not just like make it about each month of my journey while I was there. So, yeah. That's kind of cool. I gathered that it had to do with your time there based on the title. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that fourth track, Prospect Avenue, was that about the uh, the secret dark sorcerer street where all the Illuminati people live and they took you there to initiate you into the higher levels? Yeah, that's actually exactly <laughs> how it happened. I, um, I was in a van and then they had a bag over my head and then they ripped out the bag and then I saw the street, Prospect Avenue. <laughs> <laughs> that would make a good music video though, right? Well, here's the funny thing about it. So the street is actually Prospect Place. And originally I was going to call the song Prospect Place, but I was like, well, that doesn't sound as fun as Prospect Avenue. <laughs> Prospect Avenue. Right, so much better. <laughs> Yeah, that was yeah. There's really cool effects on uh, that track, with especially with the vocal. In general, I enjoyed the kind of ambient, um, slow burn of the EP. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I was, well, cause the thing is right now, everyone's making records that are like two minutes and 30 seconds to three minutes and 30 seconds. Like just, it's just so short. So I was like, it was more of a challenge to create a story out of it. Well, I think you accomplished that. And what I like about it also is the, there's like a consistent energy to it, even like from the beginning of a song through to the end that just, even though there's some wobble as the song goes on and it gets a little more intense in, in sections, there's like this background energy that even though it's ambient, it's still like um, electric in a way. You feel, you feel pretty plugged in by it. I was working out with it today. I also listened to it at work. <laughs> all in all, it was good for both both focusing at work and uh, getting crazy at the rock climbing gym. So well getting done. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so something kind of crazy about the whole pro like process of building the EP was whenever I was back home, I only had short increments to work on music, maybe like four or five hours a day. And then like after being able to quit my job and focus on music full time, I realized that, going from five hours a day to like 12 or 15 hours some days, like it made the songs get longer without even trying. It was more just like, oh, what can I do here? What can I do here? And then next thing I know, there's six to nine minutes. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting. It represents like a new phase in your creative journey, your development, because as I recall back when you lived here, but for anyone that's not aware, Chris is actually a hometown brother of mine from Springfield, Missouri, the unofficial center of the universe. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and but when you were here, I remember you um, you kind of had more going on, and also you were when you were um, kind of heavily touring a little while there. That took up time, and I don't imagine that you ever did get uh, weeks on end where you could just spend twelve plus hours working. Oh yeah, it was magic, pure magic. <laughs> and That's then like. Great. On part two, you're going to hear some shorter songs, but what's nice about those shorter songs is I still put like almost the same amount of time on them. So you're just going to hear just some crazy sound design on part two. Cool. Um, I think as the second track, I remember had a really cool, like crazy sound that like started the song. Yeah. Just an intro sound. Yeah. Sound yeah. design was definitely a, um, a big improvement over previous stuff you've put out, even though it was always, it was always great. It's a, what's interesting is it's a different kind of sound design because your previous EP dark Lord was, um, a whole different direction you could say, although there's still Mr. Christopher flavor in both things. Well, there's, there's a couple reasons for that. The first reason is with communion, the EP that had dark Lord on it, when I was building that, I was trying to find songs that matched each one of those, and I couldn't find them anywhere online. So I was like, well, I'm just going to make them myself. <laughs> <laughs> now, the difference between that one and Brooklyn Trilogy is it has more of like a, um, like a European techno sound to it. And I figured after communion, all my plays, like, you know, like how you can check your stats online? the majority of my plays were all in Europe over America. So I was like, well, I was like, let's, let's see what the Europeans like. <laughs> and, that, and that just helped being in Brooklyn. Cause like Brooklyn has so much amazing, like underground techno spots. So I think it was just a combination of the people that were picking up my music and just being influenced by the city of Brooklyn. That's interesting. Cause uh, some artists would say that you would never let, 
something like that, like your stats on SoundCloud, um, influence your direction or influence what you're doing. But what is a musician or what is any artist for that matter without their audience? And you who has dedicated your life to music, you can make infinite EPs and albums and things. And so like, if there's some people that are over there with uh, different stylistic tastes than over here, which I personally love that, that techno sound, um, especially, especially drum and bass from, Oh, yeah. Uh, Europe is, yeah, that's where it's at. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's no reason why you shouldn't be like, hmm, I'm going to experiment with this just because uh, it might bring pleasure to these people that are already uh, sending me energy in the form of attention. Well, not only that, I never said it was a, a conscious effort. It was oh. almost like this is just me analyzing it from an outside standpoint. Interesting. Like, I believe that it was a subconscious effect of my plays being over there and being inspired by the Brooklyn culture. It wasn't like, oh, these people like it, so I'm going to make some dang old techno. <laughs> no, of course not. Right. <laughs> yeah, but even if, even if that was like a thought going into it, um, I'm sure there's artists that have made things on uh, lesser whims than that that turned out to be really awesome. You know, so like, but that's, that's interesting because what you're saying brings up like questions of what even goes into the creative process. Like what is giving us our inspiration in the first place? Where's that song that you hear in your head even fucking coming from in full form? Like, cause I, I don't produce music, but I get songs in my head all the time that I've, no one's ever heard that song. I've never heard it. The instruments are crazy. There's maybe instruments that don't even exist going on. And it'll come through in a full form. So it's not like my, in my brain, I'm going, okay, this part would sound like this. And then we layer it like this and I'm constructing it. It just comes through. So maybe around like this roundabout way of suggesting that maybe the, and I think this is what you possibly were suggesting that the um, influence on your sound besides just the change in location, because obviously that'd be a huge influence could have been from directly from the minds and the, uh, the tastes of the people that were most into your music recently. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it could have also been everyone was like focusing their energy on this thing and it just maybe world thought big, you know, everyone's thinking about it. Maybe you tap into that. Well, and it doesn't take very many people in a population group to be able to influence the larger population. Um, all the studies that I've ever checked out that were involving like a, a group of meditators that meditate towards a certain goal, like peace for a certain situation or reduce crime in their city. It's like less than 1%. It's like half of a fucking percent of the population that is required to uh, come. I swear it was like you needed like a hundred people per million or something ridiculous. I don't even know. Um, in, in these studies that, to actually make a dent because they have shown that, people all meditating for like, for example, reduced crime in the same city can, will actually demonstrably create a reduction in crime for the period that they are engaging in the practice together and regularly. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you think about it too, like if you like what, rub your feet on the carpet and then like touch your buddy on the arm, you'll shock him. <laughs> we have electricity flowing through us and an electromagnetic field around us. So if you get all these fields together, who knows what we can accomplish? Or if someone's thinking about something, who knows how it can affect it? Yeah, that's a really easy way of putting it. I mean, the data can be transmitted in so many ways. I, I mean, just 
your consciousness is able to unconsciously receive information in totality with a complete understanding whether or not your conscious mind is picking up on it. So like, that's why we all understand each other's body language and expressions and things like that perfectly well and can even understand meaning in a contextual way when someone is not that clear speaking. Like someone could say something that's sort of vague in the way they say it, but because of their inflections and body language, everyone understands what they meant. But if they were to just like type that in a social media comment, nobody would understand their sarcasm and they would think that person was a horrifying asshole. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but like, so like uh, our DNA, supposedly, according to this book I read by a guy named Jeremy Namby called uh, The Cosmic Serpent that was about uh, ayahuasca shamans. It's a really good book. Um, and it's about the evolution of DNA and psychedelics and jungle medicines. But um, he was pointing out that DNA itself actually emits light at really low levels. And it's detectable, actually. It's and it, it's not detectable in, by your eyes, per se. But if it is uh, putting off those, those subtle lights, maybe on some unconscious level, we're reading each other through light emissions on our DNA. And he even suggested in that book through whatever research he was presenting, it's been a long time, that uh, DNA itself can has light photon receptors in it as well. So literally every cell in your body is transmitting and receiving information through light with all other forms of life at all times. Was he, were these just theories in the book? I just wrote down the book Cosmic Serpent so I can check it out. Um, but were they just theories? Were they actually like tested things through science or? Um, well, I'm not exactly sure the context of the experiments. I know though that there have been experiments where you can um, put someone in a completely dark room with cameras that can measure really low levels of light emission yeah. and you can detect light coming off of them and even certain people that have like a high degree of mind body connection control, like meditators are able to increase the amount of light that they're emitting on a detectable level, not detectable to our eyes again, but to machinery it's detectable. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, for example, like we can only see what, like this amount of the light spectrum and we can only hear like this amount of the sound spectrum. Yeah. So, like, who's to know like if any of this like reality is actually the true reality. But speaking of photons, did you hear about the quantum teleportation that we just like tapped into? I heard that they did a quantum teleportation to space the other day. Is that what it is? Yeah. So it's like they... Um, I vaguely they heard about it. Yeah. They transferred information from a photon to another photon 20, over 25 kilometers away. So it's kind of crazy. It's not like the actual teleportation that we like see in movies of like over here and then boop over here but it's a step towards that to where we're transferring information without wi-fi <laughs> yeah um it just it makes you think about like the possibility of humans teleporting someday because if we are just this energy then theoretically it could all um be you know taken apart and put back together exactly the same way and it would be all right the only question would be what happens to the you that gets turned off whenever your body is disassembled and maybe I, we'll <laughs> so i actually think the solution to teleportation inevitably lies in co extended consciousness research because 
even if you could teleport your body or teleport the information of your body to the creation of a new body somewhere else, if your consciousness doesn't go with it, then it doesn't matter. Even if somehow a new consciousness emerges in that other thing, once the meat computer is fully put together, that still wouldn't be the same you that's in the other body if you believe the materialistic view that your physical body and brain generate your consciousness. But if yeah. you <laughs> idealism level, which is that you know your consciousness is independent of that, then maybe we would be able to train ourselves to astrally depart from our bodies and travel to some other place in the cosmos, which people claim to already do. And then with the technology that we are in the infancy of right now, perhaps send the information through photons of someone's actual physical body and have it some like 3D printed in that spot. And then the spirit of the person just jumps in this body and the other one, I don't know, they just do something with it. They just do, do away with it, recycle it. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Just to add on to that thought. Oh, no, put I'm, it in a cryo chamber so you can just go back and forth. Zip, zip. <laughs> just, just go, 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 go. <laughs> but no, to add on to that thought, um, I'm probably going to get some of this information wrong, but I believe it was um, a Tibetan monk had this theory recently that once artificial intelligence becomes so advanced that almost every aspect is identical to a human, um, this monk believes that with reincarnation, if that is actually a true feature of our life, um, he believes that they won't be able to tell the difference between us and them. And then that the reincarnated spirit, soul, whatever you prefer, can enter into that AI. And then it can become a problem because the AI has all the access to the cloud and storage. <laughs> uh. Just crazy things to think about, but... I definitely think about that a lot. And in the sense of human evolution uh, or the evolution of life itself, you see a progression from just energy into base matter, into um, mineral forms that began to proliferate. I think minerals are actually a life form and so do many occult sciences. Uh, just a much slower moving life form. Yeah, just at a different vibration. And then the next level up would be that you would evolve into would be plant life. And then the next level up would be like marine life or water-based life perhaps. And then land-based life. Or maybe those are kind of the same thing and they're not in a hierarchy. But I guess my point is that uh, if consciousness has been on this journey of upgrading it's uh, wetware, <laughs> and, but retaining the same universal software that just um, sort of evolves and rewrites itself as it goes, then it, it would make sense that the next step could be into something that's a more durable, permanent, um, unified type of embodiment, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if that law is true, uh, conservation of energy, like never created nor destroyed, only transferred. If that is an actual law that is set in place, I mean, obviously we have different things that show that energy is transferred, not created nor destroyed. But if that is fully set in stone, because again, we can only see this much of the light spectrum and hear so much. But if that's set in stone, absolutely. Like everything could just be transferring from one to another. Yeah, just basically what we're talking about with uh, teleporting into a new version of your body. That is, I guess, theoretically all that's going on with reincarnation is you just pop out and then pop back into another one. 
some scientist in a lab coat. He's <laughs> like, okay, you go here. <laughs> Actually, in if you look into like supernatural phenomenon, like the UFO abductee accounts and things of that nature, uh, people's near death and out of body experiences as well. There are a lot of descriptions of a kind of like weird spiritual bureaucracy slash uh, kind of controlling government type of thing. And that's like, that's the question that I find most interesting because um, we in spiritual speak, it kind of tends to stay on earth. No one like thinks about what's going on, um, you know, in the realms above, so to speak. But if the law of correspondence is true, which as uh, above, so below, as within, so without, which mm-hmm. I have experienced that it is true, then it would only make sense that if this is how we behave here with all these crazy control structures, hierarchies, and uh, bureaucracies, then the spirit world is probably fucked like that too. <laughs> spirit world's got problems too, damn it. <laughs> I mean, right? Wouldn't that make sense? I don't know. I was actually talking with someone the other day, um, kind of about that with the as above, so below. Um, I can't remember who I was talking. Actually, it was Jordan um, Volkstroker. Oh yeah, great. Yeah, he, uh, him, and I were talking about the concept of maybe we're just cells on a bigger human sitting on a couch. <laughs> yeah, we're just all working together on our little on our little block. In the again to return to occult sciences, uh, that is a concept actually. And the like the Gnostic interpretation of the original human being, Adam, is not that it was like our father's father's father going back to the beginning, but actually that Adam is the universe that we are a cell within. What if, what if Adam is just atom, A-T-O-M, and Eve is just evolution of the Adam to create us? Um... <laughs> that's what you would call green language. You know, that's like, (laughs) that's where you look at some, some terminology and you go, well, this also means this. And usually if you're doing that, like in a, you're seeing things from the left and right perspective, you're seeing things creatively and with your intellect, then you will see connections like that. Because I mean, if consciousness is sort of uh, emanating from one place in the universe, it seems like, Actually, let's actually I think consciousness could possibly be emanating from more than one place at once and that could be why we're such divided beings. I believe my studies into occult sciences are kind of revealing to me that maybe in the past the conception that people even had of their own minds and spirits was that uh they had their consciousness that was their solar consciousness like their crown, they had their Martian consciousness, they had their Venusian consciousness, and all the the five planets and the sun and the moon represented different aspects of self. And um, to the point where, whenever they would go into one of the modalities associated with, say, Mars, which would be like a, maybe aggression, um, getting a short temper or something, they would say that they were afflicted by the fury of Mars or something. They wouldn't even say that it was coming from themselves, so to speak. So. I wonder if um, if humanity will evolve that concept of our consciousness, not even, not only is it not necessarily originating from within our physical body so much as it is from everything all at once, 
But because of that, what we consider to be our true self and how we experience that could be something that's actually slipping between a lot of different sources simultaneously. And we don't even understand that. (laughs) Are you referring to like, maybe like the concept of just like infinite amount of possibilities and galaxies? Um, In a sense. Yeah. I mean, if you have a desire, I think it creates that ripple effect through the cosmos that either in this incarnation or in another one, in another space time, what it is that you're heavily desiring is going to return to you in the best ability it can of the form that you requested. Oh, absolutely. I I would call that karma. (laughs) Just be good, get good, be bad, get bad. (laughs) Exactly. But that's also kind of how addictions work because people's thoughts about something that they feel really strongly about, but they don't observe themselves feeling it and they don't neutralize it consciously. That thought goes out into the electromagnetic ether as we talked about. And it's like a boomerang. It finds something that'll stick to it. Like if the person has a problem with a crack, it'll find a crack dealer and boomerang that crack dealer back to the person. And the person will always have the opportunity to get more of whatever it is they're addicted to. It's a weird thing that is kind of not talked about with addiction, that if you are in the flow of addiction with something, it is almost magical how like guaranteed you are to find a way to get it despite any crazy circumstances. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. It's, that's why you have to be careful what you think, because like what you think, even if you don't say it, like your brain's like creating like all these synapses in your head. And I'm sure that affects like the electromagnetic field around you, which I'm sure affects the electromagnetic field on the planet. Like I'm sure it's way bigger than what we can see, especially because we can't even see like radio or Wi-Fi signals. So who knows about the like frequencies being emitted from our brain when we think a certain thing. So absolutely. Like with somebody that's addicted to something, I'm sure if they're thinking about it, it's just, yeah, going to boomerang right back around to them. In some way or another. Um, And talking about crazy technologies again, I've heard that two, two crazy inventions that I just heard about first was um, a cell phone that was batteryless that drew drew energy Tesla style from free energy and about time. (laughs) Yeah. It definitely didn't have like a good screen on it or anything. It looked like a really shitty phone, but can you you send me a link for this later? Yeah, I think so. Um, I'll, yeah, I'll remember to, when I'm listening back to the show, I'll be sure to make notes of the stuff that we talked about and share it in the episode notes. Sorry for you guys that are listening to the live stream. You'll just have to Google it yourself. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For now. For now. <laughs> for now. Or just be patient. The uh, I don't even know if anyone's listening to uh, the live stream. I'm kind of curious. It could be nobody. could be somebody. It's Is anybody not with us? No. That's okay, though. Um, I think the buffering might be not very smooth. And that's my... You know, that's uh, it's my cross to a bear. You know, I'll figure that out later. We'll keep it going, though, just in case. And we'll you can set a radio, a radio antenna in your backyard and you can have your own <laughs> server room. <laughs> well, speaking about um, Wi-Fi signals, though, the other crazy invention was a Wi-Fi router that 
works on light. Uh, like instead of a radio based carrier signal, mm-hmm. it's actually a light frequency that like just, I guess like a little light in the corner kind of blinks in some imperceptible rapid way. And that somehow transmits a signal of information That's awesome. um, to the, yeah, to the other machine and that machine, like your computer, will have a little blinky light on it too. And it's just shooting s- small imperceptible light beams back and forth to the, the router. And it's, like faster than radio signals and because it's a much higher frequency it's less dense of a energetic frequency it's not radio frequencies actually and emf have plenty of harmful effects on human beings especially wi-fi signals that's what i was wondering if there was an effect so they're trying to come up with a new solution exactly so it's not as fucked as i thought with emf (laughs) (laughs) Did you, well, cause it's kind of crazy. Like we're doing that with a lot of things, even the, um, what is it like when people set up, um, virtual reality, they now have like the, I think it's infrared and they have these like little bitty lights in the corner of the room and it maps out the entire room. So like literally like inside the virtual helmet and gloves and like earbuds and all that, like if you look left and you go too close to the wall, so like right about here <laughs> um like a red light will pop up on your goggles like it'll flash a red wall in front of you so you <laughs> don't hit anything in the room so it's kind of crazy it's not just that signal but they're doing it on several different devices now yeah and that technology has come such a long way in a couple of years i haven't even paid attention for like six months so who the fuck knows how much better it is by now wow it's true that's something will all be easily accessible too like um someday i want to do this podcast from virtual reality where i awesome. <laughs> artistically craft like some kind of auditorium theater of my imagining with all the stuff that i like around and you I can the live stream you'll log in with your created avatar and you'll come sit in the audience and like we'll be able to see who's watching <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, I actually like, I have the same desire right now. So I don't know if you've been following much of the virtual reality stuff, but they now have like keyboards that you can set up like in the realm and you can like push the keys and it'll play the notes. So what I'm waiting for is once they have the gloves weighted to where it actually feels like you're pressing the key. Haptic gloves, they have that. Do they have them like where like, oh, perfect. Then we're getting there. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty sure that exists already. So, but I'm just waiting until it's like so perfect. So whenever I'm traveling in hotel rooms, I don't have to carry any music equipment with me. I literally just set up the entire hotel room and I'm good every night. (laughs) How cool would it be for performance if you had a VR keyboard and then somehow holographically projected there was like a light keyboard in front of you and you were just like jamming wherever you wanted on the stage and like basically a wizard i don't know with tupac and elvis <laughs> <laughs> yeah and michael jackson i'm sure is next to be turned into a hologram it hasn't it's been long enough right um i'm sure maybe not his family might be saying no <laughs> <laughs> they'd be like not yet <laughs> i think hillary clinton was a hologram those last couple times that she was on tv i don't know i'm just kidding what? <laughs> well, I don't know. I She's a lizard, my- not a hologram. <laughs> Reptile people. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, I wanted to say thank you for rocking my shirt to this podcast. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, look, look at that. Oh, look at that. <laughs> 
I noticed that you got a, like a really fresh uh, new design on the Brooklyn sessions. Yeah, we um, we had this artist named Shout Mira do it. Um, she's incredible. She designed the three covers for the EP. Um, I don't know if you realize the head on the on the first one. It has an M and a K hidden like on the outfit. Oh, I noticed. Yeah, and then we have two more that I'll be unveiling soon enough. And yeah, then we have that little that sigil with the M and the K in the middle of it too. So. Yeah, man, that's pretty sweet. You got to keep the new art flowing with the new music. That's kind of the beauty of how much the music scene is exploding right now is it also grants opportunities to all these graphic designers and stuff other than the musicians that are some musicians are just doing that themselves, too, which is uh, pretty cool as well. Yeah, that's what well, that's what I did with the artwork. So like I had her design the Mr. Christopher part and the head and the sigil. And then I arranged them together for the artwork. And then, yeah, you have a lot of people that are doing it themselves, but sometimes you need to just focus on music. So absolutely, it's helping all the graphic people, i.e. you helping me with some stuff as well. People should know Chance is quite the graphic designer. <laughs> He's done some pretty cool stuff for me. But yeah, it's, it's awesome because it's, it's able to get everybody involved because you can do it all yourself, but why do that when you can have some friends help and put the creative process together? Yeah, it's, um, it's good to be able to learn how to do a lot of different things, but the people that go really far in a certain thing dedicate everything they have to what they're doing and then put uh, people that they trust in charge of the stuff that they don't have time for. I, um, I read this thing the other day online. It said, you may have the same 24 hours in a day as Beyonce, but you also don't have her like team of 200 people to help. <laughs> God, yeah. So half half of those people keep the babies warm for uh, sacrificial dinners. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Did you hear? Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 can't, I can't comment on that because I don't know. Beyonce and Jay-Z, I feel like there's some cool people and they probably know way more than I do. <laughs> no, dude, they're totally cult. I mean, the, I think it's for me, it's clear because of the imagery that they put into performances and the lyrics and the message that they, especially that Jay-Z promotes is, uh, seems to me like, uh, I don't know. We don't have to go there, but because I mean, you can't, else, you can't prove who is and who isn't, but <laughs> what's that? I was like, what else do you do? I mean, he's already got the money, got the fame, got all that. I mean, join a cult. Come on. You got to get new experiences. <laughs> no, no. The cult is what gets in the money and the fame. Oh, see, I'm doing it. I'm doing it all wrong. <laughs> That's how art, artists that don't really have much talent uh, that somehow are huge, that are heavily promoted by mainstream sources, they're probably connected in a different way. And that's how they got there, in my opinion. Especially granted that they seem to have, like mainstream top 40 artists have like a real uniformity of message and content. And it's always promoting the party culture or um, the victim culture in some way or, or the aggressor culture. Like there's basically, there's always some kind of negative output stream into the, uh, into the mass consciousness, anything that's like backed by mainstream music industry whatsoever. Oh yeah. I would say it's not just music it has been for decades. Yeah. But the thing is too, like, it's also, I feel like, um, 
a human desire to want some of that as well. Like for some reason, us, us as humans, we crave that in a really weird way. Like you, I think like, for example, like suburban kids like that live in a cul-de-sac that have never been around super thug stuff or gangster stuff, like attract to the thug and gangster life. Like even though it's a negative connotation, those people eat it up and buy it up and they go and get the records and do all that and it increases the sales. So everyone else is like, well, I don't want to make this type of music, but it's going to make me a lot of money. So it could also just be not necessarily there's an agenda, but that's what maybe humans also want too. So I'm just feeding it to them. How I see it is to go back to the law of correspondence because humans behave in a way that, and, and demand that as you described, because it's true, just like in many other places, um, humans are consciously ignorant of something and, the institutions that are around that thing support their ignorance, for example, like food, like fast food. Um, anyway, the law of correspondence is being in effect. If people do desire that type of uh, content and that type of image and like with the, with the gangster rap thing, the whole dominator um, gang type, like tribal nature of that, you know, that, that it is kind of, playing off of like the perpetuation of it is kind of playing off of primal human um, fears and inherent human archetypical uh, concepts. So it, it creates that feedback loop where not only did the artists, like you're saying, think, Oh, this will make me money. So I guess I'll, I'll make music of that nature. And not only are the not uh, only that, kids doing the yeah. kids promoting it, like actively supporting it and wanting it. Then you also have, the third party that comes in, which is the the middlemen that um, because we, because we are choosing it, they are forcing it on us more. The law of correspondence is yeah, a terrible explanation. Sorry. Well, no, you're good. I want to make it very clear that it's also not just that people think they can make money off of it. Like the artists themselves. I mean, it is that for sure, but there's a lot of people that, that have grown up that that's all that they know. And the best art is to talk about your experience and to talk about what you know. So I can't knock that because, you know, I have a huge background with hip hop. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. And there's but just like in anything else, there's the people that really experience a thing. And then there's the wave of posers and <laughs> oh, everything, everything in everything. Everything, everything. Yeah, this is something that I like to bring up on the show, which is that like original thinking is the reason you're here. If you're following groupthink in any capacity, you're fucking up. Yeah, we were actually just talking about this briefly on the phone call earlier. Like, um, we like that. And maybe this is just everybody is the universe experiencing itself like subjectively. So yeah, that I mean that I think is also the main purpose of our life. Um, literally, just creating as much original content for the universe and storing it with new information. Because if everyone's doing the same thing, you're not feeding the universe any new information. And I got to give credit to, again, Volkstroker on this, because him and I like definitely go down the rabbit hole about this a lot. <laughs> but absolutely. Well, that's a really good point, though. Like, if you aren't the one supplying it with new information, then with new experiences, new novelty, then it's going to... absolutely. 
it'll do it for you in a tragic way. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be like, oh, you couldn't come up with anything unique on your own. So how about the most horrible, uniquely awful suffering instead? (laughs) That's actually a really good way of putting it. I mean, you're going to get unique one way or the other. It's either going to be unique (laughs) horribleness or unique whatever shit you want. It's like... Like you may not like it if you don't hurry up and then step up and put the work in. <laughs> it is that serious though. Like you getting yeah. creative, you activating your creativity because um, if all you are is an intellect creature, then you are just a robot and there's no need to transfer your consciousness into a, uh, in a everlasting metal shining Android God body because God. you don't have any original thought to donate to infinity anyway. So why should we invite you to infinity? <laughs> so when you activate your creativity alongside your intellect, then you have intelligence. Intelligence mm-hmm. is intellect, intella, and gents, which is generate, genere in Latin, which is to create, creativity, the right brain. So intelligence is what is needed, not intellect. Um, and oh, that's, I guess, what is missing in, in machine land, actually, in terms of what's the difference between AI, uh, current levels of AI and humanity. Well, with that that whole intelligence thing, I was actually joking with um, with my management about this the other day. So our our population used to be, I think, last year at like a third grade reading level, and then we dropped down this year to like a second grade reading level, like as the average. It was like some ridiculous amount we dropped, right? And um, I was talking to my music manager because I don't know if you remember, I have that project called Chess Moves. Yeah, I was asking him. I was like, should should I have called it checkers? Like, was I was I going too far on this? <laughs> A lot of people don't fucking know how to play chess, man. Yeah, but you know, and that's okay, I guess, to not know how to play chess. But I I recommend it as a game. It is fucking fantastic and like a really great intellect exercise. And also creativity comes into play because you if you're actually a good player, if you get past just learning what the moves do in a left-brained way, then you can start constructing multiple move plans. And then that's where the creativity comes in. That's the intelligence. Um, (laughs) And it's also metaphorical for reality. Like if people don't know how to play uh, chess, then they're definitely not going to realize they're a pawn on a chess board. Not only that, but it's like one of my favorite things about playing chess is that you can learn so much about the person. So if like if the person goes for like that Napoleon move where they try to get you out in two rounds, like you can learn so much about the person and how they operate their life just by them operating their little army on a board. <laughs> Dude, we should play online chess after this podcast. Oh man, I'll get stuck for several hours. <laughs> yeah, um, let's, let's let's do it before you go to bed. All right, I'm down. <laughs> okay, we'll play one game uh, like online chess somewhere. That'll be fun. We're gonna have to do three. <laughs> three. <laughs> we'll see. Um, if I win the first one, then only one. And then if I lose the first one, then we'll do two out of three, so I can win. All right. <laughs> <Solved>. <laughs> yeah, challenge accepted. Cool. That gives me something to look forward to. Speaking of going to bed. I have to once again apologize to you. We were actually going to do this podcast last night, and I just uh, fucking passed out. How could could you? I was actually planning to take like a small meditation, close my eyes, and then it just didn't work out. I got just too jacked up from the rock climbing gym, and um, I've been continuing my war against 
daily coffee, so I haven't had coffee for a few days. Good job, me. <laughs> actually, I lied. I actually put a little bit of coffee into my uh, protein shake before, uh, like powdered coffee before this podcast. But see, like that's my whole point is I'm I'm getting rid of the daily habitual use of coffee and instead moving towards using it for a purpose because like actually right now I feel pretty jazzed up in a good way. So it was worth it to do. But if I was just like pounding coffee in the morning and then maybe a little in the afternoon, and then I had some right now, it would be meaningless. Well, two things. First, I'm proud of you for keeping up with rock climbing. That's super impressive. And then second, are you drinking green tea? Cause that'll wake you up as well. Oh yeah. 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 That's my, uh, replacement for my coffee habit and it's a lot smoother on my jitters for sure. Yeah. yeah I'm super jittery. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> green tea with like some lemon balm is so fantastic though. Oh yeah. Heavenly. I bet there's a lot of great Asian food in New York while you're there. Yeah, it was, New York was awesome. So like I, the first two months that I was there, like I took it a little too seriously. I was like, okay, I'm here to work. I'm doing this. And like, I didn't leave. And uh, my music management company, TSG, they're the ones that put me up. They were covering my place and everything while I was there. And uh, they're like, okay, Chris, like you need to get out of the house. <laughs> like, <laughs> go like do some things. This is not okay. Yeah, no. And uh, it was great. Like I knocked out a bunch of stuff. Like I think I just like really impressed him. And that was like the whole, the whole mission. I wanted to, to, to basically prove myself, prove I was the one. <laughs> You're Neo. But, uh, but yeah. Um, is he the one or is it Mr. Smith? Yeah, that's actually a question I brought up with Haley the other night. I was like, <laughs> but Agent Smith cr makes everybody into himself and he unifies everybody in the matrix into one consciousness. So maybe he's the one. Yeah, the oracle said Neo's not the one he asked. But back to Chinese. Oh, that's a good point. She, no, she doesn't tend to lie. She didn't lie yeah, about anything ever. else ever at any point. Ever, yeah. But um, yeah, no, back to the, the Chinese food. Absolutely. They had amazing Chinese food. I would left out that the matrix is way cooler. No, <laughs> I agree. I agree. It's actually like a toss up. <laughs> I, yeah, you're right. I love Chinese food. I love it. Um, I, since I've gone vegetarian, it's actually one of the few places where you're like guaranteed to be able to find a vegetarian dish is uh, Asian places. Actually, have you heard of purple carrot yet? No. Write this down. You have your pen and paper? Well, I'll listen to this again later, but I'll, I actually, I'll write this down. No, I'm, I'm listening. It, it's worth it. So you, um, you set up this like subscription through it. It's called Purple Carrot. And um, it comes, for us, it comes every Wednesday. And like um, my music manager, he's not vegetarian or anything like that, but he's been ordering it for me just like to kind of stay healthy as well. And um, it's all like meal preps and it's awesome. Like it's all vegetables, like fruit, everything. And they like, they give it to you in portions, so you cut it up, cook it, and it's incredible. All vegetarian meals, all done amazingly. Okay, um, I'll check not, that out. I'm not That's... sponsored by them either. I need to be for as much as I'm talking it up. <laughs> yeah. Now, like, that's the great thing about uh, this show is the only sponsorship or the only ads you'll hear are, like, legitimate organic ads because <laughs> <laughs> I thought about doing those kind of sponsorships on the show and, like, you know – hitting people up and saying, Hey, I'll promote your thing for X amount of money per show. But I like it better to be totally Patreon supported. Are you doing a Patreon soon? 
I will be soon. I've actually like been, I have this like little like notebook, this little journal of like all these like things that like basically missions and how to accomplish each mission. So yeah, that's actually something I'm looking at setting up right now. I just want to have everything going just a little bit more in the direction that I need it to. But absolutely. How's yours going? Oh, it's going great. There's like a solid nearly 50 people pledged right now. So thank you to all you guys pledged and anyone that's thinking about supporting a podcast with Federal Reserve debt notes. Pick this one. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, this goes for you and anybody listening that has some kind of reason that they would want support for an artistic or creative endeavor. You can start it with no rewards. You can just set it up and be like, this is my Patreon page. Subscribe now and give me money for nothing. And just tell me that you support me making music and you want to give me a dollar a month. A few people will actually do that. And then whenever you want to set up a more awesome reward structure, you can just add to it later, but start getting the support now. But you know, you don't have to do that. I totally appreciate that you want to have something really crafted and um, laser precision to deliver to your supporters. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But again, like, we are kind of on a little bit of different paths. Like I'm trying to like do it for music and you're trying to do it for um, your podcast. So like for you, it's amazing to get that started immediately. And for me, I just, I want to have things already backed up for the year and have everything like already ready or at least like six months in advance. So that way I can be like, Hey, here's a free mix. Here's a free remix. Here's an unreleased song. I want to be able to have a stockpile of stuff. So that way, once I have everything built up, they're not waiting on it. Like I don't want to have right. the whole list built up and be like, well, Hey, come on, we need some stuff. <laughs> yeah. I kind of have to restructure the way my rewards are set up because I think the, the obligations that I've put myself into for some of the rewards, um, I might not be meeting as well as I could. There's nothing like specifically promised, but for example, part of the, like the $3 and up people, get a feed of artwork that I'm working on. And I really have not updated that for like a couple months with stuff. And um, there is stuff on there that you, that you can get. And it's always been my intention to, to um, upload at least like once a month with big packs of digital artwork, because anyone that's doing like creative stuff could possibly benefit from having some of the weird patterns and, and uh, designs that I just come up with in my spare time that I don't have anything to do with. Yeah, sort of just like, you know, graphics packs, you know, no, it's a <laughs> great get idea. more of those put out there. And you should set up like on like a reminder, like a week before the first of every month. That way it gives you like seven days to get everything prepped. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a mess with reminders and calendars, no, but I'm getting better at it. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I, I, uh, I definitely see the benefit in getting a big chunk of work done and then, um, portioning it, like parceling it out. Like in the past, if I ever am able to harvest several interviews at once and then have like a bank of them to be producing as episodes, it's way better. I do a way better job with the actual editing and production process because there's like, I have more time to do it. I'm less under the gun. This episode is a little late for the week. That's for fucking sure. (laughs) Uh, No, speaking of um, people giving you money. So, you know, the app Venmo. Yeah. 
So on Facebook the other day, I saw, this is the craziest thing ever. Like some guy was like, hey, it's my birthday. Will somebody Venmo me money? <laughs> and people started Venmoing him money. So I thought like maybe on my birthday, be like, if anyone wants to take me out to eat, and then like I set up a live stream and be like, all right, Jessica got this appetizer. Thank you, Jessica. <laughs> but I'm just like, technology's getting so crazy. Like we used to have just to give it to you in person and now we can send it in two seconds. <laughs> I know it's, it's remarkable how many people you can actually connect with in a short amount of time in a very, for them, what feels like a very close up and personal way. I mean, I say that from the experience of being the audience member of several podcasts and radio shows and fans of many different artists and musicians. And, um, it, you know, everyone has a different level of themselves that they put out there and expose to the world. But, uh, a lot of the, a lot of these people I follow, it feels like they're like my best friends. So it's, a uh, weird because they don't know you at all, you know, but yeah. <laughs> we, we are able to literally be in at least one direction away that close to people. Um, if we choose to put ourselves out there like that. And I think it's cool because, um, it helps people with, it helps people with changing the quality of their attention and changing the type of information they're taking in. The fact that we're able to start replacing the entrenched institutional, um, media structures that have kept people in a box. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Just so if, if anyone at home is watching, we love you. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Actually, we actually for real, totally love you a lot. That's why we, it's why we're here. And it all starts with loving yourself. You got to love the person closest to you and then love everybody around. That's a great segue to one of the things that I've been meaning to ask you about, which is, do you know what MrChristopher.com is? Oh, uh, we're not allowed to talk about that. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, that was a joke. That was a joke. That was not. No it's, not, no, it's not a joke because I'm trying, I'm in like a bidding war with this guy. I've been trying to get this website from him. Like this guy has had this website since before I was born. Like I'm telling you like, and not only does he have that website, his name's not even Christopher with a K. Oh, for fucker. For everyone that wants to know. The website is like, <laughs> it's not safe for work. Do not go there. Yeah. Do not go there at work. It is like the most extreme gay bondage you could find ever. <laughs> I actually, is no joke real. at work today. I typed in that at the URL cause I was looking for your website and uh, our like company <laughs> router and firewall blocked the site. And I was like, I fucking hope that doesn't send like a red flag to our it somewhere. Oh, gay porn. Like, yeah. damn it. You know, but honestly, like I'm getting to a point, like as I get older, like I kind of like it being there. So like, it makes it that much more fun to search for my stuff. Like I'm not even, mad. I was mad the first couple of years, but now I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, you got to laugh at that shit. Otherwise you'd go crazy. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I've been trying to get a hold of him to get it. And no, he spells it with a CH too. He literally, like I checked out his domain list. He has like 400, I think, or 300 websites. So whoever's yeah. watching and can get a hold of him and get me that website, I will buy you a cupcake. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a really good cupcake too. will be the best. <laughs> okay. So what I really meant to segue into with the, the <laughs> thing about self-love <laughs> was that you've been on a, a really good health kick lately you were telling me about, and I'm just curious what kind of things have changed and um, like 
I guess I'll also ask when you when did you get to Utah? Did did coming out to Utah catalyze some of the uh, the changes? And just tell me about like recent life for you. Yeah, so New York, I was like super locked in, and I tried like running while I was there, but there was just constantly people on the road, and like it was just obstacle courses, dogs, like everybody out, and I was just like felt like I was constantly having to go around them. And then once I got out here to Utah. Um, and again, I'm out, I'm out here in a studio in Utah, just kind of finishing up some music for 2018 right now. Uh, but my music manager just like got me on this health kick. Um, I've been running two miles a day every day, which is unbelievable for me. Like, again, I, I stay glued to a chair. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, getting up and walking, not even a half a mile, let alone two miles every day, running it nonstop is ridiculous. Um, and then, yeah, I've just been eating a lot healthier. I haven't had a soda in forever. Honestly, like I just really want some soda, some ice cream, some pizza. Like, <laughs> I just need to have like, you know how most people like have like a relapse on drugs. I just like need some junk food. <laughs> junk food is drugs, man. That's true. That's true. It's just as addicting. <laughs> I mean, it's chemicals you put in your body that are addictive and make you happy. So that's drugs. But no, that's like the one thing I, I, I've learned about myself because not having to go to a call center and sell vacation packages every day and having all this extra time for my brain to run wild, I, um, I've learned a lot about myself. And the one thing is like I have an addictive personality, but it can be to anything. Like my addictive personality is like whatever I'm doing. And that's what's nice about running. I realized I got addicted to it. So like I missed, I missed one day not running. And I felt like a piece of shit human being. I was like, who am I? How could you? <laughs> but no, it's been great. I, um, I absolutely love it. And I would recommend it for anyone that makes music. Just, or even are in front of computer screens. Get out and go run because you got to have your mind, body, and soul. So get your tempo right. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I could definitely use more running and jogging. I, can't, I have a meniscus tear in my knee that caused uh, after a surgery that caused me to have less cartilage in my left knee so I kind of avoid the high impact running and stuff but it's no, still not an excuse to not get cardio but um, you're, doing, you're doing climbing for several hours like when I was on the phone with you earlier the audience needs to know like you were you're on the wall for a while and I feel like that'll probably do some good damage does that hurt your like where you had your incident like whenever oh no I don't really have any pain in it it's just that uh if if I go through life with a habit of something really high impact, like jogging on concrete, doing it regularly, then it's going to be a problem later. But if I kind of avoid those type of exercises, then it might go longer before it acts up on me. But yeah, with climbing, I've been like r running laps, but up a wall and down instead <laughs> of uh, around in a circle. Because I've been doing this endurance training program because I hit this plateau with with rock climbing because you, you get to a certain point and something isn't strong enough anymore. Like whether it's your core or your hand strength or, or whatever. So by doing endurance training, which is training my form by like my technique is better because I'm going as fast as I can. And if I am able to do it quickly, then my technique must be good enough. And if I can do it quickly over and over again, and I'm not getting too tired. And that means my form's getting better too. So it's like, pay, it's paying attention to the little things once you get into the, uh, the deep levels of repetition with something. Cause I've been, that's where you actually start to get a, a big benefit out of it. Like with rock climbing, the example would be 
paying attention to exactly how hard you're squeezing with your hands, like not gripping too hard if you don't have to, saving that energy, stepping up with your feet instead of pulling yourself up by your arms all the time. Like all these little things that you can pay more and more attention to and get squeezed that little bit more of performance out of yourself. And I imagine with producing music, especially um, electronic music, you could kind of shorten your own pathways through literal shortcuts in a program and through continual learning and like purposefully going and watching tutorials and things like that being repetitious in your self-improvement and not thinking that you've got it all figured out. Oh, absolutely. And I would say that, I mean, that goes on into any field because yeah. that's how it was whenever I was learning a different music program. That's how it went whenever I was teaching myself Photoshop. And then now I've been teaching myself Premiere to edit videos and I've been looking up some stuff online as well as calling friends. But yeah, I mean, the thing is we have all the information in our pocket, literally every answer and at least 10 different versions of that answer in your pocket. So yeah, I mean, definitely look up those options. But when it comes to like doing more healthy stuff and working out, does um, like a stair stepper, would that help you? Because I was thinking like that would be kind of like climbing, that, but it wouldn't be impact on concrete maybe? It's probably a little less high impact. I really like biking, but I don't think that quite affects your cardio the same way as something like running or going upstairs. Um, but I've, I've been going on real nice long hiking walks as well. So that's, it's not running, but it's still kind of full body. I think, I don't know. I think I'll be all right. Swimming is a really good option for cardio though. Yeah. If I, uh, if I had access to a swimming pool, that would be huge. I actually sacrificed. I had a gym membership at a place that had an indoor pool and I traded that for the rock climbing gym membership, but uh, it's well worth it. No, never. Oh. <laughs> Dude, rock climbing has become like a weird mystical thing for me. Uh, there's not, I've, I've repeated this before, but I think everybody should find something where they have to physically try as hard as they can, because even though like jogging and lifting weights and all that, is really helpful to do regularly. You can easily go through those type of routines at 70, 80% effort or even lower and still feel like you did a good job. But with uh, climbing and I imagine martial arts or like jujitsu has got to be this way. Yeah, absolutely. you have to try as hard as you can, or you might as well not even show up. Speaking you know. of jujitsu, did you know uh, Maynard from Tool like has his own jujitsu studio? Yeah, I caught the beginning of that episode of Joe Rogan, but <clears throat> I didn't keep listening because it, it was kind of it wasn't the, as interesting as I'd hoped. But it maybe it was a lot longer. Maybe it got good later on. Yeah, I made it um, a little over halfway through, and yeah. um, I mean, with with his personality, I mean, I'm sure it takes him a second to open up too. So yeah, definitely like try to watch through the rest of it. But I didn't realize like how funny he is. Like he's yeah. actually like, really funny. <laughs> yeah, the last time I saw Tool, he spent most of the show crouched in the corner behind the drummer, screaming into the mic. <laughs> like that's what he did. <laughs> well, he's an artist, man. Now I love Tool. Tool is one of the first things that woke me up um, from that was like art. Uh, Tool was one of the things that made me start questioning stuff that I'd been indoctrinated with. So it was, uh, you know, especially on the religious side of things like, oh, wait, there's hypocrisy everywhere. Let's rethink this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like 46 and 2 and Lateralists, like those two tracks, definitely. 
Oh, and they influenced my uh, music, music too. Like I play bass guitar and I, both I of those are, that. yeah. I need to get you on a track. What are we doing? <laughs> I need to practice more. Uh, I was kind of <laughs> along with the not getting a lot of art put out onto Patreon or, or um, created because of life. The same goes for, for playing music. So what, you were saying before about getting to really know yourself better because you have all this extra time because you're not at a call center selling vacation packages. That's yeah. where I'm trying to get, man. That's why I always bring up Patreon because you, you people listening are, will actually help me get there faster. But like, that's what I, I need that all day, 40 hours a week back to like to rediscover all these elements of myself, especially music. Cause I just like, this is my priority is making these podcasts, but there's all these other things that if I could expand back into, it would make this better. How, how long have you been doing this podcast for? Cause is it two years now? A year and a half. So just like for examples of other things, I think I read somewhere, don't quote me on this. This could be a complete lie, but um, I think I read somewhere like it takes like five years for a business to start, start like making profit off of it. And I'm sure with the internet, that's probably caught, cut down. So just make sure you keep up with it. Cause like, um, I also read somewhere once overnight success takes 10 to 15 years. Yeah. Well, <laughs> all the world catches on to it. There's been a lot of effort put into it before. Well, that's definitely, that definitely seems like the only way that anything could ever happen in terms of like growth. It's not, uh, once I got in there and started trying to get this show out to people and, and create it. I realized that the thing that's really going to get it out to people is really the guests more than it is me. And I have this tendency to over like spend too much time uh, worrying about small details of creating the show instead of the really important details like book book a really great guest. <laughs> I like you're somebody I've been wanting to get on for months and I could have at any time in the last couple of months, I could have hit you up and been like, come on, Chris, do a show with me. And I had to wait until you found a Pokemon card with a lightning bolt on it and decided to call me. That's true. So again, just so everyone at home knows what's going on and not that chance is just going crazy right now. <laughs> <laughs> I am um, literally middle of nowhere. I found a Pokemon card with a little lightning bolt on it. And uh, Chance in my phone is saved under Chance Thunder. He has a lightning bolt, yeah, right there on his arm. And it's just super crazy because everybody that I've ever worked with, like, that has ever just done anything artistically with me, I'll, almost everyone's used a lightning bolt symbol. And I picked it up, I'm like, Chance? <laughs> I called him and I hung it on the fridge. I need to take a picture of it. I'll actually, I'll actually, I would take my laptop right now, but I don't want to drop it on the stairs. But um, I'll take a picture of it so we can post it in the comments later. <laughs> yeah, you guys probably remember what a, a lightning energy card looks like anyway, if you yeah. were kids when we were kids. Maybe it's not. It's crazy that I, I found that because like, that's something pretty old. Like, Yeah, that's... Uh, uh, out what's, here in the mountains of Utah. <laughs> well, I appreciate you getting a hold of me to do a show because I was just having... Um, I was having a week of not succeeding in getting an episode booked, which is, it hasn't happened. Like we were saying, you got to be consistent about it for years, for maybe like six months. I don't even know, maybe like eight months. I've put out an episode a week, occasionally awesome. more, occasionally more than one. 
So you're saying you only missed one week and that's it? Well, I'm only a day late, actually, so it's not really a missed week. See, Chance, this is what I've realized about a lot of geniuses. <laughs> is that they feel like they're doing shitty or they're constantly behind, but you, you weren't even two weeks late. You were literally like a day. So I'm, I'm super proud of you. Like <laughs> just don't let it get more than two months. Oh God. Well, that's one of the great things about starting the Patreon is that now I have even like, once I started that, I felt a real accountability to, um, to myself and to those that said, yeah, I do want you to be a podcaster as your job you know, my yep. friends and family and uh, listeners of the show too. Uh, like that's just that little bit of support. Every time I get an email that says so-and-so just pledged $1 or $3, it's like, that's a huge reason to keep doing it. And so is just getting messages from people. Um, I, I'm sure that you can agree with that. Like, even though you can't make your, you can't let your ambitions ride on whether or not you get positive feedback from random strangers on the internet. Whenever yeah. that person does go out of their way to like make a, a comment or say something, it's so, it's so awesome. You know, like it makes, whenever that happens to me, it makes me go, man, I should make comments on people's art or music that I love more often. Like, absolutely, because that's the thing. Like even I, I can relate to this so much, man. Like even when you're working a job or two, you're like busting ass and you're barely getting by like that one comment can just like motivate your ass to get back to work <laughs> on what you love. So absolutely. And, and going back to what you just said right after that, passing it forward is the biggest thing that you can do. Because you doing that will encourage that person to do it. And it just creates this constant cycle. So absolutely. Like that's one thing just to ramble on a little bit. That's something that I always encourage to younger artists that are like just now starting to make music and they come to me for advice. I try to give, and this is something like for you, for someone else that wants to podcast or something like pass on information and pass on good advice. Like do what wasn't done for us because we'll help one or two people, they'll help one or two people, and eventually the world will change. That's right, um, and you you actually aren't gonna get anywhere, no one's gonna help you unless you help other people and make your intention helping other people. It's kind of paradoxical, because you don't wanna help others for the, for the sole purpose of getting help in return, but it does work that way, back once again to the law of correspondences. I actually, real quick, before I forget this thought, I heard like a really great analogy for this the other day. Um, making those relations with people is like putting money in a bank. If you go to a bank for the first time, you can't just ask for money. It's not going to happen. You have to put money into the bank and then you can ask for the money later. So it's just like the same thing with human reaction. Like you don't want to just go and ask a bunch of people for stuff. Like just help people with stuff and don't expect anything in return. But yeah, just go and just put your deposits into people and help them out as much as you can. Because even if it doesn't help you, they'll help the next person and that's just as good. Yeah, and they'll be more apt and energized to do the compassionate and kind thing for somebody else because their flame was um, intensified by the, the fire that you gave them in terms of the love and kindness. So back to what we were saying earlier about the universe being... Um, a singular consciousness with infinite perspectives in the in uh, the form of different life forms. What you know, and back to the quantum entanglement concept. 
whenever you do have a positive interaction with somebody where your highest self and their higher self are both present with each other and recognizing each other, Mm -hmm. that could be a quantum entanglement effect between you and that person on some quantum level. Uh, quantum just being a magic bro science word, of course, but like on a metaphysical level, you are entangled with this person and your energies are both um, harmonized towards the good together. And every moment is actually infinitely perpetually existing. And it's just your consciousness that's traveling linearly through these moments. So each and every one of these moments you create of true connection between yourself and another part of yourself, part of the original consciousness, is a bridge between their energy harmonized towards the good and your energy harmonized towards the good. So as many souls as you can connect to in your lifetime, whether directly or through your art and through your creations, that's how much more energy towards harmony and towards the good is going to be resonating with you in infinity even after you've left your body. Yeah, it amplifies tenfold. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. That's it. That's it, Chris. That's it. We get, we nailed it. <laughs> we solved it. <laughs> yeah. Just, just be good and work hard. That's what I try to tell everyone. Just be a good person and work hard. And there's another thing I like, this used to be a quote of mine. I haven't said it in a while, but don't give a fuck. Just get shit done. <laughs> <laughs> seriously though that's the only way to uh for it, it's going to happen if you're too busy giving fucks left and right you're never going to get anything done that's true you got to be just, good and work hard that's it yeah and uh do do whatever it is that you know how to do if you think that you shouldn't make art or music because you can't make it the way that somebody else is making it that you enjoy you're thinking about it the wrong way just absolutely the way that you would do it is the unique expression. That is your original thought. That is your unique perspective on the multiverse that allows you to continue existing without horrendous pain. <laughs> no, for sure. And like, just like one thing I would definitely want to add like to the viewers, like before, like we close this out, like just make sure whatever you're doing, you do what you love and something that you'll die for. Because the thing is, and I think it was maybe Elon Musk that said it, somebody like super smart. So listen to this person. <laughs> but um, Chris said it, he's super smart. Oh, whoa, 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 hold up. <laughs> but no, like what they said was really incredible is when you're at home and you're in the shower or you're cooking food, if it's a job that you hate, you're gonna block that out. But if it's something you love, like a podcast or like making music, when you're cooking your spaghetti, you're going to be thinking about how you can improve that job and how you can make that better. So whatever you follow, make sure you do what you love just because it's good for your soul. That's what your soul is here for. That's why you're in the virtual reality device called the human body. (laughs) And if you can go for novelty because the universe needs that input. Yeah, I mean, why why else would there even be anything at all other than to create newness? Absolutely. Well, this was a pretty novel conversation, Chris. I appreciate your time. Uh, You want to tell the kitties any more things? The kitties. Or the adults or the grandpas. (laughs) Grandpa! (laughs) Grandpas and grandmas. Yeah, honestly. Show this podcast to your grandpa and grandma, everybody. Oh, okay, absolutely. They'll be like quantum mechanics (laughs) (laughs) but no i'm just to add to it like briefly things we touched on be good work hard and help others and just 
enjoy your life because in a million years, none of this will matter and we'll all be dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, these physical bodies will be dead, but perhaps you will retain the experience points that you gained here and maybe all the more reason why you should try to get to as high a level as you can while you can. And if we don't and there is no reward system, help others because that's rewarding in itself. Boosh. <laughs> all right. Hey, recording. I, I, um, I will be talking to you soon and let's definitely hop on a game of chess soon, all right? Okay, I'll, I'll uh, talk to you after the call here. All right. See you all next week. All right. See you guys soon. Thanks, Bye. Chris. <laughs> That's it. You made it through the entire episode. I'm really happy that you're still here. And since you are still here, it makes me think that maybe you actually enjoyed what you listened to. If that's also true, that you're both listening to me and you enjoyed it, then perhaps you'll go to patreon.com forward slash interverse and pledge a little bit of financial support to the podcast. All right. Well, you already know why that would matter and why that helps. So thank you for listening. And uh, I hope you have a wonderful week full of creating exactly the type of shit you want to create and none of the tremendously awful, horrible suffering that you don't want. Ha, okay, I love you. You're amazing. And sayonara.